You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the Midside, where every day is a carnival for the farce. No Emperor Trump float needed. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. And how about in life in general? Just anything any, anyone has ever said or will say in life in general, I denounce it. You are a terrible, horrible person, and you've probably said terrible, horrible things. On that note... Why don't we get on to another terrible, horrible person, bring him onto the show, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, which, of course, forgoing that and identifying as a woman, I mean, that's clearly offensive, William Green. Hello, hello. Well, actually, only the part where I uh, identify uh, or I give up my uh, white privilege is, uh, is offensive because the uh, you know, transracialism, bad um, but uh, trans uh, sex or transgender, uh, good. So yeah, if it if it's based on reality, then and you uh, reject it, it's uh, it's good. If it's not based on reality and you reject it, then it's bad. So yeah. okay, how does that fit into other people rejecting your whiteness? So you posted uh, this story about the qu- <laughs> uh, the 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 old white people playing classical music got fired for being old white people how does that uh, play well, into this well they got fired for playing old white people music you know they're a string quintet i think and uh and they got fired by the board that they hired to run the charity so that they could focus on playing for the last like 20 years or something uh yeah they apparently are uh uh have uh played too much beethoven and uh and chopin and things like that and um and you know, they want to have more diverse. The charity that they set up and that they fund through their record albums um, want to uh, diversify and play less uh, dead white people music. Uh, so, yeah. Congratulations to them, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's it's very strange. Uh, uh, maybe they should have just had Beethoven identify as black and then they could keep playing Beethoven. Wasn't Beethoven deaf? So isn't that like... That's ableist. That's true. That's, yeah. Whoa. I don't know how we, I don't know how we rectify this. We'll have to, uh, uh, consult the Ouija board, uh, the oppression Olympics, <laughs> uh, 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 status board and see, uh, see where, where the, I mean, being dead seems like a disability to me too, but I, I mean, that's definitely ableist. You are not <laughs> able to do things if you are dead. Oh, uh, but no, that's a farcical story that you can uh, check out on our discord, uh, uh, link in the description and in the uh, show notes. And just to be clear, we've got a lot more farce coming up this episode, so that's why that didn't even make the cut. It didn't even make the like, cut. Oh, just man. like the opening quip about the Emperor Trump uh, float, that's in the Discord as well from one of the midsiders. So yeah. there's a lot in there. Well, uh, well let's I've, head in. Oh, I, I was going to say real quick. Uh, uh, you know, I was up in Santa Rosa uh, um, earlier in the week, and. Uh, it it actually sleet in Santa Rosa. Uh, there was sleet falling from the sky, and then I come back here uh, to LA, and it's uh, it was eighty degrees. So uh, I'm I'm experiencing microclimates uh, uh, in one hour flights uh, between uh, cities in 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 California right now. So uh, I think it's springtime, my friend. 
I mean, it's summer. You want to talk about differences in climate? It's summer here in Florida. We've been having like 90 degree weather with humidity here. But I, I'm stuck on the grammar of what you said. It's sleet. It, it's it sleeted. Be, it, well, that's what I was wondering. Is, is sleet a verb or a, or a noun or a verb? Can you use it as a verb? Well, sleet is a verb. Sleeted? So I'm assuming sleet is a verb. <laughs> yeah, but you skeeted then. Like, like you skeeted on her face, right? Like, so somebody sleeted on your face. I don't know. We'll have Which to... those sound like the same thing, if you think about them. <laughs> Concretely, they sound pretty similar. All right, let's do it. Let's head into all the other farce we have in... Life on the midside. Take a good look around. Just like every sun. No, we just complaining. I hope that this mic is on. Cause I'm on a roll here. I hope this is making some sense. I hope that you throw up your hands and sing it and tell all the haters that they should just shut up and smile. Yeah. If you would like to support the show, you can do so through our Patreon or our locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals. We accept any and all support, including especially affirmations. And you know who just wanted an affirmation, William? This bald guy in the United Kingdom. So this story for Britain uh, is bizarre and i usually don't just i just you don't just come out and say this story is bizarre but this is very interesting to me because there's a leap in here that i don't quite understand and i'm hoping maybe you can understand it or you can explain it to me as a gay man because you find you know although you're a woman right now but I, yeah i did check that privilege at the beginning of the show Right, but can you can you take it out? Summon it right? back. Is it okay? Yeah, it's in my. Yeah, is in my that allowed? Box. Yeah. Is that in the rules? I, I don't know, know, but well, let's test it. Let's test it because I don't get this, and I'm not attracted to men, so I don't understand it. So what happened is this dude got fired from his job, and his, apparently he sued the company, and this work tribunal. I don't even know what an employment tribunal is. That sounds like something out of Anthem by Ayn Rand, an employment tribunal. But they had to rule on this case. And the guy's boss was named Mr. King. And apparently, Mr. King made a remark about this guy's bald head. And this was taken as sexual harassment. So here are the, here are the relevant quotes from the article. Well, hold on. Ms. Hypothesis. Which head are they talking about? Oh, I mean, can't that one head Let's only see. be bald? I... I... I am assuming yes, but uh, I've I've only seen you know I've probably seen more penises than you, but uh, yeah. We'll, we'll I do see. go to gym locker rooms though, and there are yeah. old men there. There are so. old men there, so if I, old men get hair in, inside their ear, growing outside of it, then maybe maybe <laughs> things get weird down there too. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if we can I feel listen like to these this quotes. Took a weird turn. Yeah. But now let's... I'm picturing like uh, under the ridge, there's like hair growing up around it. <laughs> So let's see if we can understand these quotes with either head interpretation and see if uh, maybe that brings clarity to the situation. Okay, so Mr. King, the guy's boss, made the remark with a view of hurting the claimant by commenting on his appearance, which is often found amongst men. And and the claim here is that uh, baldness is more often found in men than women. The tribunal, therefore, Watch out, Will Smith is coming! (laughs) Okay. 
The tribunal therefore determines that by referring to the claimant as a bald and it's C star star star, I'm assuming it has to be cock, bald cock, Mr. King's conduct was unwanted. It was a violation of the claimant's dignity. It created an intimidating work environment for him. It was done for that purpose and it related to the claimant's sex. Wait, now, I'm, I'm confused what C where this could be. Could it be cunt? Could it be chav? Like, oh, what? it's probably, well, it might be cunt because, you know, you know, the number of people that like write into Bill Burr and call him like a bald cunt. So it might be cunt too. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I feel but like it's important a, context. Isn't a bald cunt a good thing? I, 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 I agree. Yes. <laughs> Not that you know. I mean, you might know right now because of how you're identifying. I, I right? do. Although you, you're still a woman, even though you have male genitalia, so I don't know how that fits and how uh, you can comment on that. It's not this. male genitalia; it's a female penis currently. Oh, okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. But it's not a cunt, right? It's I don't a penis, know. If we're in cunt. Australia, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Everything's a cunt in Australia. Australian right, listeners, so, give us a uh, give us a uh, a verdict on on Discord. Okay, so I agree. It's probably you're right. More likely, that sounds like something more British, or as you're saying, Australian, right? It sounds like more they'd call him a bald cunt than a bald cock, right? Yeah. So we'll yeah. go with that. Bald cunt. Okay, I, I agree with you on that. But that doesn't answer the other part of this, right? So, William, I agree with this logic, that this is an attack on perhaps his masculinity, if you want to say going bald makes you not masculine, although... I don't know. Bruce don't Willis? Know I was going to say, Jason Statham... Yeah, I mean, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock, like, I mean, I I don't think that makes you less masculine. But traditionally, men are insulted for going bald, right? So I agree with that. But here's the part I don't get and what makes this farcical to me. How does this rise to the level of sexual harassment? Isn't this tribunal in their ruling missing something about lust or sexualization not being just referring to sex? Like, if I insult you, I go, ha-ha, you have a penis. That doesn't mean I'm sexually <laughs> harassing you. Doesn't uh, sexual harassment mean, like, I'm trying to harass you about the act of sexual intercourse? Uh, about ra- Isn't there drop. some element of arousal? Ha-ha, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm giving you a penis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, isn't, I, you know, the sexual harassment has so many varied in, 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 in uh, definitions, right? Is this attacking their... I guess attacking your masculinity could be. I, I, are, is that the stretch that we're making now? That an attack on your masculinity is a form of sexual harassment, like calling you that not seems masculine. To be what they're saying, yeah. Well, what if I called you masculine? Would that also be sexual harassment? Because remember, complimenting be a woman logically. and yeah, you know, uh, complimenting a woman's appearance can be considered sexual harassment, right? So if I compliment your masculinity, would that also be sexual harassment? Well, and that pretty much, I mean, doesn't that destroy all of professional wrestling, UFC, and arguably Hollywood, too? Oh, man. That's true. So now you can't film any movies or participate in any sports? I mean, this is in Britain, right? The entire English Premier League is destroyed based upon this ruling, isn't it? Well, some of them are kind of girly, but yeah. (laughs) I mean, have you seen the kind of... uh, 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 dramatic falls that are made uh, randomly on the field to draw flopping. A foul. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. But they're just identifying as a woman on their way down, and then when they get back up, they're manly again. <laughs> and then we're canceled. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what canceled us right now? <laughs> Not me saying bald cunts are a good thing? <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I mean, I understand, like, the logic here where they're saying it's related to sex, so it's sexual harassment. But at what point is this too far and then everything is sexual harassment? It loses all meaning. What is the essential of sexual harassment? Is it simply commenting on anything related to sex? And at this case, William, let me also ask you, isn't there problems with this from a gender standpoint? As someone who's currently identifying as a different gender than his assigned sex, isn't, doesn't yeah. that create a problem here? Shouldn't it then be gender harassment or identity harassment? Should we just expand the law of sexual harassment? Based on this, which we're taking the arousal out of it, so then shouldn't this just become identity harassment? Anything that harasses or comments on your identity either way is considered harassment. Yeah, and there's also the aspect of unwanted, which is also very not objectively defined. So is it if it's unwanted, right? That's a key part. Uh, and and uh, and if. Uh, Identity is so uh, so sacrosanct, yet so undefinable and so uh, changeable. Um, I think at any moment I can just be identity harassed. I mean, you're identity harassing me right now. You're not using the pronouns that are constantly flopping around in my head. I don't need to hear about things that are constantly flopping around in your head. <laughs> uh, bald cunts. All right, ready to move on? Yeah, I've had enough of this story already. I mean, I, I'd use the transition, but I really don't oh, want to be canceled, really? so <laughs> I'm Speak. not going to use the transition that jumped into my head. <laughs> but speaking of WNBA players, that was the nice version of it. Um, so the story of WNBA player Brittany Grenier has gotten even more complicated here. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Brittany Grenier is an, a lesbian WNBA star. And I say that not because I personally give a shit. But because it's relevant to this story, I believe it's relevant to the story. And William, you can check me on that if it's not. But she's a two-time Olympic gold medalist. And about, was it three months ago, this story says? Yeah, three months ago, she was detained in a Russian airport because she had vape cartridges that contained oil derived from cannabis. Now, before we even go any deeper into this story, William, because we haven't commented this on this at all, I just want to say... This is something I don't understand. And what I mean by that is perhaps this was planted on her, but I'm going to assume it's not. I don't understand people who travel to a foreign country, don't look at the laws, and then have stuff like this on them that allows them to get put in these situations. Doesn't this whole situation represent a lack of maturity and responsibility on Grenier's part? Yeah, I can I can see that. I mean, I'll give you an example that uh, that people can run into without even knowing it. And I, I mean, CBD is definitely not one of those. You would you would I think a reasonable person would assume that you would need to check the laws on that. But um, oh, what's that? The the there's a sleeping aid that we get completely over the counter. It's no it's no big deal here in the states, and it's like a prescription like. Like NyQuil? type one, no, it's not Nyquil, but it's like uh, <laughs> it was a joke. Uh, no, it's I, I can't remember what it is, but it's one of those natural um, uh, sleep aids. And uh, like if you go to the UK or 
um, or places in EU, it's like prescription, like Schedule Two sort of equivalent, right? Like it's a big deal. You have to have a prescription. You would basically get you know in trouble for crossing the border with it. And uh, it's something like you can literally right now just go to CVS and buy, right? Um, and so for something like that, I could see maybe you running into some running afoul of some issues, right? Um, but yeah, you, it's your responsibility. It's still your responsibility to, to know what things you're allowed and not allowed to uh, bring into other countries. But yeah, this this could be something like you said, planted on 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 her. It could be like she had empty cartridges too, right? And then they're just like, oh, we tested it and it had some CBD residue in it, so therefore, you know, you're uh, you're transporting uh, illegal substances, right? So it could be on any number of things, but it does seem weird that they're uh, that. I don't know that this is still going on. How is this still going on? Because there's there's a deeper issue here, and I'll get to that in a second. But first, I want to continue with what you were saying about the sleeping aid and everything, and what you just said about the empty cartridges. That's still something I don't understand. To me, it's a dependency on substances, either psychologically or physically, that you can't not have them at all times. That you put yourself at this kind of risk. That, that's what I, I mean, and maybe it's just because I'm straight edge, but like you really need sleeping aids that badly that you're going to bring them to a foreign country like that. That represents a problem. Maybe take care of that before you start traveling and spending. Well, money it's on more it's more like helping you fall asleep uh, due to jet lag. Right. It's something you would take to uh, aid with uh, uh, shortening your days of jet lag. But yeah, I, I get your saying. Or just eat healthy and work out so your body responds better when you travel. I mean, but I get where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. But in response to what you're saying, well, I think this is still going on because this is a major political play by Russia because I think they're looking at the U.S.'s cultural climate and trying to use it against us. I said this from the beginning. You know, I made jokes to people about this, but when you look at the type of person who fits into sort of a victim profile in the United States, is it not a black lesbian WNBA player? Doesn't that check a lot of our social justice boxes? Yeah, I guess. I mean, but it's Russia. And wait, are we anti-Russia right now? Or Oh, I guess all the Democrats voted for uh, sending Ukraine aid. So we're currently um, against Russia again, right? Right. Well, I mean, regardless of that, I think Russia is going to use any leverage it can on any foreign country to get its needs met. Right. And the the need they're currently rumored to be filling here is they want a one for one prisoner exchange. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. They want to swap convicted arms trafficker Victor Bout. Victor Bout has the nickname the Merchant of Death. Uh, the Nicolas Cage movie, remember the Nicolas Cage movie, Lord of War? This is the guy that movie was based on. Uh, this article says that, and I'm quoting here, uh, flooded fierce conflicts in Africa and Middle East with weapons. He was arrested during a sting operation in Thailand in 2008, extradited to the U.S. and sentenced to 25 years for conspiracy to kill U.S. citizens, delivery of anti-aircraft missiles, and providing aid to a terrorist organization. So, Think of what Russia is saying. A WNBA player to them is equivalent to... time Olympian. Lesbian. Is it the lesbian right. that makes her equivalent to an arms dealer? I mean, we saw well, that's that, what I'm that saying. problem that they're having with, uh, what was it, uh, Pussy Riot? Right. So this is what I'm saying. 
Russia's look what I'm saying, Russia's looking at our culture and they think that if the US lets Brittany Grenier stay in prison in Russia for what she did, that they will have a major political, cultural issue in the country to the point that they'll let this dangerous arms dealer go. What is what does that say about Russia's assessment of the United States as a culture and as a country? I don't know. I think uh, I think it's more of what is the what is the worst thing that we can ask for uh, to like snub the Americans. I think it's less about making a statement, and more about putting two fingers in the air. I mean, I don't think they're making a statement about our culture. I, I'm saying they're assessing yeah. our culture and using that to their advantage. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I agree completely with you. It's about just, you know, putting two fingers in the air and snubbing us and saying, what can we get? But I mean, I, I just don't see any equal value here at all. At all. Yeah. All right. I want to move on to more positive things here or possibly positive. All right. Let's try. I mean, we could try. All right. I mean, the, there's some interesting stuff that happened this week. Uh, the, the first thing that was interesting was shared by Midsider uh, Lucid Fitzpatrick in the uh, Discord, and it's Netflix. Netflix were up was updating its corporate culture memo, uh, and they're updating the artistic expression section. So I want to read a little bit of that. Not everyone will like or agree with everything on our service. While every title is different, we approach them based on the same set of principles. We support the artistic expression of the creators we choose to work with. We program for a diversity of audiences and tastes, and we let viewers decide what's appropriate for them versus having Netflix censor specific artists or voices. As employees, we support the principle that Netflix offers a diversity of stories, even if we find some titles counter to our own personal values. Depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. If you'd find it hard to support our content breadth, Netflix may not be the best place for you. So there's two things about this, William, that I want to touch on. The first is hierarchy of values. And what I mean by that is, to me, on a hierarchy of values, wouldn't freedom of expression or freedom of speech or freedom of you know creativity working for a platform that distributes art and entertainment be pretty high over other things such as diversity. Yeah. I'm not, I, this is surprising to me in a way. And also uh, the first thing that pops into my head is uh, imagine, uh, you know, there, there, there has to be at least one. I mean, I, I'm sure one slipped through their hiring practices and background screening at Netflix, uh, you know, fundamentalist Christian that works at Netflix. Maybe they're the janitor or something, but uh, but there has to be at least one, right? And can you imagine them like holding a protest uh, for for the Dave Chappelle uh, special, right? Or uh, or demanding that uh, I don't know what's uh, what's some Netflix show with 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 witchcraft? Uh, uh, Buffy Buffy be removed from Netflix for uh, poisoning the. Or kids. you could have just said The Witcher. The Witcher, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's demons <laughs> and shit on there. 
Well, you understand what I'm saying, right? Like, why do the woke think that their religion is so special that they can, you know, that they can demand these things? And then at the same time, you know, we don't let we don't let Christians do that. I mean, people people are up in arms because Chick-fil-A uh, didn't want to uh, doesn't want to open on Sunday. Right. Right. And I, I think that, you know, that was the second thing I was going to say is this cuts both ways. Yeah. And you just, you know, the example you said just shows how well it cuts both ways. This isn't saying like, you know, if you're woke, shut up, right? It's not saying if you're not woke, shut up. It's saying everybody shut up, do your job. We're here to support artistic expression. And that's why I was making the point about hierarchy of values. Yeah. Right? We're here to make money. To work art- We're here to make right. money. We make money but, by supporting a artist and, and, and connecting right. them with our audience or with their audiences. Right. 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 And that's exactly it. Right. It says, depending on your role, you may need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful, but that, but that's what I'm saying about hierarchy of values. Don't you have to assess William and say exactly what you just said? Yeah. Art. All right. Artist. Well, let me throw a monkey wrench in cuties. Where does cuties fi- fall into this? Well, right. And that's that's the difficulty when we're talking about art is where is the line? Right. Where is the line? Yeah. Now, Netflix with their stance would say cutie stays on the, the platform and that's their stance as a company. Now yeah. you have to decide as a consumer and as a worker if you think more good is being done than harm. And I would say overall. When you look at Netflix, I'm OK with continuing to support it. Because I think they have done more good than harm. I think it's funny to make fun of Netflix for their super diverse shows, right? Like, I've seen some shows. um, I forget what it's called. Well, there's that high school show that's about the Indian girl. And, like, there's no difference between it and the content of any other high school show. It's just a basic high school show, except it's about an Indian girl. All right. Never have I ever. Never have I ever. I just heard from the peanut gallery out there doing her laundry, folding her laundry. Um, yeah, never have I ever. You can even hear the title, how generic it is, right? But they do a lot of that on Netflix, where they have these super basic shows that are just an excuse to have diversity. And I think it's funny to make fun of that. But overall, I think Netflix has done more harm than good. I mean, for instance, look at what they've done with Zack Snyder, right? Army of the Dead's getting a universe. Uh, the two Rebel Moons filming two movies back-to-back. So we're going to get the first one and the sequel, Right. Without even worrying about any public response or anything. So I think that this principle, like I'm saying, depending on your role, you need to work on titles you perceive to be harmful. When you perceive that, that's way too short term of a perspective. You're not looking at overall. It's the same thing like when I teach in class, I may teach things I disagree with because that's what the district wants as far as content. I may disagree with the content. I may not agree with every little thing in the content, but being able to read these high-level, culturally influential texts and understand them is important. Do you get what I'm saying, William? I do. I do. Um, <clears throat> I think back to my time working for the government, um, I had the flexibility to choose which missions I went on, and uh, you know, the ones I didn't agree with, I didn't have to participate in, Right. Now, I still, you could still say I contributed because, you know, I reviewed people's work for those uh, missions and things like that. But I didn't, I could, I could put, uh, put boundaries in that made it so that I was contributing to the good and not and minimizing any sort of contribution to things that I didn't think were good. And 
we live in a mixed economy. We live in a uh, in a, uh, a crazy ass uh, culture. Uh, it's uh, it's standing by your principles. Uh, you know, like I think the Netflix example. I would not work on cuties, uh, right? But uh, but other things that I didn't agree with, I would I wouldn't have a problem with. But I wouldn't quit because cuties was there. Does that make sense? Right. Right. Because we were in a mixed world, and I'm going to say something perhaps controversial. I think, William, the world is always going to be mixed to a certain extent. You're never yeah. going to have this this purity that people are looking for. Just like you're never going to end world hunger. You're never going to have world peace. You're never going to have everyone be physically and mentally healthy. It's not statistically possible. The same sense, the, this purity, either in the Christian sense or the woke sense or the objectivist sense it's it's not going to happen it's it's not realistic and that well it's that, realist it's not realistic to enforce on everyone else right that's the part that uh that bothers me about the the christians the woke and uh, even some objectivists right they want to they want to it's not that they're trying they're not it's not that they're striving for that purity in themselves and 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 they're trying to force it on others Oh, right. A hundred percent. When I say it's not possible, I mean at the world at large. I don't mean within yourself. Yeah. I mean, whatever yeah. your values are, your principles are, as long as they are internally consistent, which I would argue something like wokeism isn't. I don't even think wokeism, you can be social justice, you can be internally pure with it. I think that it's set up for you to necessarily fail, just like the same thing with the Christianity and original sin. But if you have an internally uh, a, a set of principles that are internally consistent, you can inside yourself be pure. I'm in, in the world at large. That's why I use the examples of world peace and world hunger and, and things like that. Because people use metrics that are impossible to attain in order to say that everything is a failure and life is bad. But then that leads me to another question, William, right? Which leads into our final story here, our final thing that happened here. But it applies to the Netflix things equally, even though the final story is political should this statement be necessary by netflix or by virtue of the fact that things will always be mixed is it necessary always and what i mean by that is you want to be clear about like i would like to believe that people are rational enough to know that hey this is our principle and these are the other things that fall under our principles Right. Like our principle is artistic expression. We are here to create a platform that has as much artistic expression on it and has as large of an audience. Therefore, logically, there will be things you disagree with when you're working for us. But we all should support artistic expression. I would think that logically it would follow from that. Hey, don't get mad and don't protest and say, hey, you can't have Joe Rogan on your platform or you can't have Dave Chappelle on your platform. But in today's day and age. Or in just the nature of the world, is it necessary to be explicit about these things? Or is it the legal culture we live in that lawyers have taken over so much that we need to have these things written out? I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it is the culture, but I don't think it's the lawyers. I think it is, we had uh, this whole stakeholder capitalism sort of movement um, coming from the, from the left and, and, businesses uh, should exist for values other than making a profit and uh, here I mean making a profit through a mission 
whatever that mission is. Right. right. We talked about uh, Brian Armstrong at Coinbase and the mission to uh, increase financial freedom and how he was basically like, if you're not down with this, with this then get out. And a bunch of people got out. Right. 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 Um, and I want to stop, thing. pause you there for one second, William. Yeah. The, it's, it's very specifically the stakeholder capitalism you're talking about is putting forward values that necessarily aren't values and will necessarily drive companies and people into poverty and destruction because capitalism business should always be based on a value. Like you just said, the, the Coinbase value that he just said, yeah. financial freedom. It's just yeah. that the values that they're promoting aren't real values and will necessarily destroy companies. Right. Right. Like I, I would love to have an oil company say their mission is to provide cheap, reliable energy instead of, well, I don't know what's, what's Shell's latest mission statement or Exxon's right. Yeah, or I, even I think know. like Subaru, good feelings, right? That's right. Not, it's not providing a, a a quality car, right? Well, right, and you can. I mean, how do you even quantify that, right? How do you quantify good feelings? I mean, you could give me the best car ever, and I have a bad feeling because my brain is messed up. So, have you then failed <laughs> in your mission? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, and this 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 leads into something that happened in Florida that I find fascinating for the same reason. And of, it gave me good feelings. I mean, it did. And that's the thing. Like, I don't particularly have a problem with this, but there's a level of irony to it. And I asked the question of, is it necessary because of our current culture? And is it a good thing because of our current culture? So this past week, Governor Ron DeSantis did another Ron DeSantis thing, and he signed a bill establishing Victims of Communism Day. He tweeted out, Today I established November 7th as Victims of Communism Day to honor those who suffered under communism and remind people of the destruction of communism has caused worldwide, including a death toll exceeding 100 million. In Florida, we tell the truth about communism. Now, I just want to read the relevant parts of the bill here so people know what it says. So... The governor shall proclaim November 7th of each year as Victims of Communism Day, which shall be suitably observed in the public schools of the state as a day honoring the 100 million people who have fallen victim to communist regimes across the world and which shall be suitably observed by public exercise in the state capital and elsewhere as the governor may designate. If November 7th falls on a day that is not a school day, basically they're saying there that it has to be either the preceding or another day has to observe it. And then here is the key part, right, that I think a lot of people are going to misunderstand. It's not that everyone has to in, uh, receive instruction. It's specific classes. Beginning in the 2023-2024 school year, high school students enrolled in the United States government class required by, and then it has a law, must law name, must receive at least 45 minutes of instruction, which is about a class period, 40 to 50 minutes, on Victims of Communism Day to include topics such as Mao Zedong and the Cultural Revolution, Joseph Stalin and the Soviet system, Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution, Vladimir Lenin and the Russian Revolution, Pol Pot and the Khmer Rouge, Nicolas Maduro and the Chavismo movement, and how victims suffered under these regimes through poverty, starvation, migration, systemic lethal violence, and suppression of speech. Now, William, I obviously agree that these are all important things to teach. And this goes back to the whole idea of, you know, what does it mean to not teach critical race theory? The irony, there's an irony here before we even get into the good part of all this. There's an irony here that he is declaring through government force 
of Victims of Communism Day. Do you see the irony there? Yeah. Yep. I do. It's compelled. It is, in a way, could be considered compelled speech, right? But that's what we right. get when we have government schools. Well, right. And that's the irony of government schooling, right? And that goes back to the whole critical race theory. We can sit here and we can say the government has no business telling us what we should teach kids. But necessarily, if the government is running public schools, they're telling us what we should teach kids. If they had no business, we would just get out of public education in general. But then that is where my question comes in, which relates to the Netflix thing, where I said, should this be necessary? What Netflix put in their, you know, in their employee charter or whatever that was that was in their uh, their culture memo. Right. Should that be necessary? Should they have to say that? Well, I would hope ideally in the in the American system in our country, we would necessarily teach communism in the reality of it. And I don't think enough people do. I don't think we can. Not in today's right. I mean, well, maybe, in exactly maybe in Florida, maybe in Florida, but well, know. and that's okay. That's exactly where I'm going with this. I agree with you that in today's culture, we can't. Yeah, I agree with you that in today's culture, we can't. Right. Because we always do the stupid bullshit thing where we say, oh, well, communism looks good in, on paper. In theory, it looks good. Oh, yeah. It's moral. But in practice, it's just never been tried correctly. Well, and pe- because people are too and there's, flawed you know, for it to work. Oh, well, not only that, but you have to get rid of, you have to kill every capitalist in order for, you know, it to work, right? So the right. reason why Russia failed is because America still exists. Right. Right. And so, you know, I don't, I, I think those arguments are incredibly flawed, but so many people, even on the right, concede those arguments, right? Yeah. Even people who are anti-communist concede those arguments. Oh, well, if we could all live together as a collective and share, that would be the ideal. Right. So that still exists. Yeah, if only humans so, were like bee colonies or ant colonies, then we could we could make it work. Right. So I think fundamentally, you know, they ignore what human beings are at their core, individuals, right? We think and we have individual values. I think they ignore that. But the point you make about Florida is where I'm getting at with this, right? To me, I've said this before and I moved here for a reason. To me, Florida is the last sort of bastion in this country. It's the last sort of battleground. It's where we're either going to maintain freedom or we're going to lose it forever. And I see a, a law like this, right? And I go, it's so fucking ironic to say you have to, by decree of government force, recognize victims of communism day. But is that not the culture we're living in right now, where everything is you have to do this by decree of force, decree of government force? Yeah. So, isn't this perhaps DeSantis doing what needs to be done to draw a line in the sand? I mean, I, I, I would I, I can just see arguments, uh, objectivists, you know, yelling at me and getting mad at me and screeching at me and being like, no, this is a violation of principles because he's using government force and education. But we're here. This is the way it is. Don't we have to stop the bleeding before we can worry about repairing the body? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have an answer. It's a question. I, it's not I, I don't an answer. have an answer either. I think the other way to look at it, though, is the the whole reason you bring it up, which is this is a uh, a temperature meter of the culture. We know that the conservatives have always struggled with the principle, right? Because the principle here should be we should abolish government schools, not uh, you know uh, be twiddling with the margins, right? That being said, it is a positive indicator in the sense of. It's a move in the right direction, right? The right, sort of the right. wrong, the wrong 
the wrong long-term answer, the wrong step if you're considering the long-term, but in terms of the culture moving, it's a, a positive indicator. But that's what I'm, that's what I'm challenging. I'm challenging the idea that it's the wrong in the long term. What I'm saying is perhaps we are now to the point that we need to take this short term step in order to put us in the long term right place. Because let me ask you this. How many kids is this going to affect over, let's say, the next 10 years who are going to learn about this? And then how many of them are going to go, wait, aren't we in public schools, though? And how many are going to make that connection? And then maybe... 30, 50, 100 years down the line, there's enough people who go, wait, public education is communism, is collectivism. And maybe this is the first step towards that, because we already know two things. One, we know the pandemic caused a lot of people to question government schooling. So maybe this will make them question it even more. And two, we know students who are smarter know the system is flawed. They just don't have the proper language and ideas to look at it from. Maybe this will give them the proper language and ideas. Do you understand the argument I'm making here? Yeah, I do. So I, I don't know. That, it's an open question. Yeah, I think that we'll have to, uh, we'll have to see. Let me uh, just construct, uh, finish the construction of my time machine and I'll let you know. Well, right. That's the thing. And and it, that's okay. It's okay to say that, William. It's okay to say we're not going to know this. This is something only the future is going to know. And we're undecided on this. That's another thing, right? I mean, this goes back to the Netflix thing as well, right? I, yeah. I like what they put in there. But is it a good thing that they need to put that in there? Shouldn't we be a rational enough culture that that doesn't need to be in here? It's the same thing. You know, I like... The idea of having a Victims of Communism Day. I like the idea of, hey, communism bad, let's learn about it. But public education and decreeing this in public education, I don't really like that. So it's it's a little of both. And I think it's okay that you don't have to have a strong stand on everything and say, this is wrong, this is right, and and disavow everything. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. All right, so we'll leave that there. And actually, that sort of middle ground, uh, I think, sort of leads into my movie review for this this week, which, based on the title of the movie, deals with similar ideas. Let's talk about it in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. If you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week when you've already listened to the episode, maybe share some thoughts or, you know, talk about some upcoming things you'd like us to talk about, uh, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. You can go to themidside.com or themidside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and then within those episodes, you will see the link to join our Discord uh, we absolutely love it when people participate. We've been getting a lot of good participation. Um, been people commenting on the trailers um, that we are are posting in there for Trailer Takedown. Uh, 
this week, I think there's going to be an interesting divergence between myself and the audience. So get your voice in there. Get your voice in there so you too can influence and become a part of the Welcome to the Midside podcast. All right, William, this week I saw the movie The Bad Guys. Do you remember trailer takedown for the that animated movie? I do. I, what did you say? I don't remember. Um, gosh, I don't remember either. I remember watching it, though. I remember the trailer and what it was about. Um, right. So, yeah. thankfully, the Billie Eilish song was not in the movie itself. Oh, or at least God. I missed it. So, they just used it for the trailer. What happens in this movie is this team of bad guys led by the big bad wolf, and the other ones aren't characters in that way. They're just, you know, typical, like, the shark, the tarantula, the snake, the piranha, just typical creatures that are considered bad guys. They're like a heist crew. And, you know, they're conducting a bunch of heists. But then they get captured, and this ultimate good guy says he can turn them good. And that's where things get interesting. So there's two things here. One, this is a, this is exactly what you would think of as a heist movie. You know what I was reminded of? William, did you ever see the Rick and Morty episode about heist movies and heist, yeah. sh- heist stories? Yeah. yeah. It was basically that, where I called one of the twists. I should have called all of them. So one of the characters is a governor, a female governor who's a fox, and she turns out to be a bad guy. Right. And then the the ultimate good guy also turns out to be a bad guy. So all of these people, everyone in the movie is running a con in order to achieve some end in a heist. And it's all like just like in Rick and Morty, the entire end of the movie is, oh, you know, I ran this con, but I ran another uh, you ran that con, but I ran another con over that. And then the end of the movie is like, yeah, but who do you think put the that one push pop in the freezer? So remember how Rick and Morty did that, where they kept having the trump card like that? Yeah. So they had that in here as well. And in that sense, this look, this is an entertaining heist movie, right? It's well animated. The The performances are good. Uh, you want the characters to succeed and, and, you know, choose their friends and doing the right thing over just stealing things. And, you know, the introduction of the ultra super bad guy over the, the, the soft bad guys of the, the crew you know, helps with that. So there's a lot that's good done well technically here, but the ultimate problem is the discussion of the push pop. And what I mean by that is ultimately what is good versus bad relies on the idea of altruism and altruistic morality. And I just don't understand why we can't get out of this collectivist mindset as a culture. And there's a couple of things here. One When you're talking about good versus bad and you have the governor was like the most notorious thief that was never captured. And then she transitioned into being a politician in order to do some good in the world. You could have a lot of interesting dynamics there, but they completely don't even go in that direction with government. It's just like, oh, everyone in the movie has to be a thief, which, again, that's good integration, but it's also not as deep as it could be not as thematically integrated as it could be it somewhat is but it's not completely and that's where the whole push pop thing comes in the whole push pop thing is so the snake loves taking a push pop out of the freezer there's a lot of the barn and lori's pregnant 
Yeah, okay, sure. Spoiler alert. All right. Um, I, by the way, I love how that... I, it, it's such... It's such the, the perfect spoiler clip. That show and that clip is from season two of The Walking Dead, and it's still relevant. It's amazing. But anyway, so in the in the bad guy's hideout, he loves taking a push pop out of the freezer and teasing the shark with it and saying he's going to give it to him, but then he doesn't give it to him. And that becomes a thing in the movie where that symbolizes his selfishness because, and this is literally... Quotes from the movie, he is not willing to sacrifice for his friend and he is not willing to put his friend's needs above his own. And this is William where we oversimplify morality and what it means to be good. And this movie could have done interesting things, but it didn't. Now, I recognize it's a kid's movie, but at the same time, William, is a push pop really something about you're not putting your friend's needs above your own. Like it's a push pop. Like you're supposed to share it or you're supposed to give it up. I don't understand. He was supposed to give it to him. And because he didn't, because he he wants his needs first, right? Because he wants it. But that's a want versus a need. Like, I don't know. I'm the kind of person that if I want something, but somebody else needs it and that person's value to me, the value of wanting it is lesser than the value of the other person. I value needing it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's perfectly selfish to me, but they're defining needs on such a shallow level. And I think that's what happens with altruism. And I think that's why a movie like this bothers me so much because it's getting in these shallow understandings of morality to kids at such a young age. Do you get my point? I think so. I, I, so it's, it, you're definitely internalizing putting others needs above yourself, Right. And you're and you're supposed to be you're supposed to feel empathy for the person who has the need and you're supposed to feel uh, sort of sort of moral uh, indignation for the person who has the thing. Right. And more fundamentally, the equivocation on the definition of need versus want. The shark did not need the push pop. Do you understand? He wanted okay. it. Yeah, he wanted it, which is uh, different. Yeah. Right. So if I go to the freezer and I get the push pop, right? So if the shark really wanted it that badly, wouldn't he have gone to look for it? But I go to look for it first and then he wants it. I'm supposed to give it to him. I guess. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see yeah. what's being internalized here? What's being taught? Yep. Good is simply giving things away. Good is simply sacrificing. Oh, anytime you want something and somebody else wants it, if you give it up. You're good. I guess I'm not that good then. Right. And this is the the version of altruism that we're taught in this culture. Look, I, I think things like sharing can be selfish. I think things like supporting your friends can be selfish. I think giving up your wants for their wants can be selfish. But it's all based on context. And when you make it a hard and fast rule for little kids, you're doing them a disservice. Especially when you couch it in the idea of needs, because how can you give up your needs for somebody else? If it's really a need, and I say this to my kids I teach, right? Because when we're debating, we have to understand what it means to need. Give me a percentage for need, William. Zero or a hundred? What do you mean? Percentage that I need things? Right. If it's a need, 
Do you need it 0% or 100%? I don't know. I would say 100%, right? If right. It's needed, exactly. like, think of like air and like food. And, right. You know. Right. So if you give up your need for other people, aren't you necessarily killing yourself for other people? Maybe. I mean, I think the context matters. There are certain people that I don't want to live in the world without. Right. And that's the whole thing in this movie that isn't really addressed. Because what spurs on the, the wolf wanting to become good is he falls in love with the fox. And there's no there's no attention paid to context in this movie. Instead, in a movie where a heist film, you would think context is super important because they play with context in order to have the different execution and the different trump cards, as we said. You would think that would play into the context of the morality. Instead, they give this baseline shallow morality at the core of all of it. And it's typical conventional altruism. Hmm. So this is a solid, this is just a middle-of-the-road movie. You're going to be entertained while seeing this, you know, but you're not going to, it's not amazing because it doesn't set itself apart. It falls into convention with everyone else. So I would give this a solid middle-of-the-line bro. Not one of the worst movies I've seen this year, but also nowhere near one of the best. And unfortunately, there have not been a lot of good movies this year. I have been ranking the movies that I've seen this year, I have them all on Letterboxd, and I've started writing uh, like one sentence reviews of the movies I see. So hold on, go to my profile here. We should post that to Discord. Yeah, I I don't know if you can, but I'll figure it out. I'll try and figure it out. But so, for instance, the the one set the one sentence review or two sentence review I posted here of the bad guys is. Fast-paced and slickly animated, the bad guys features all the twists and turns of a good heist, except the most important one. A more interesting theme, then. Maybe the true treasure was the friends we made along the way. So, look for my stuff on there. You can also see I've ranked all of Zack Snyder's movies. I've ranked all the 2021 movies I've seen. So, I'm going to try and use that as my place, because I like the interface for it. I like the interface for it. I just don't like... That so many fucking people on Twitter who consider themselves cinephiles use it, but I can't judge the platform by irrational people. I have to judge it as the tool I could possibly use it as. All right, that was a movie that's out. Let's talk about some movies that are going to be coming out. I always post the trailers that we're going to talk about in Trailer Takedown in Discord. I usually do it on Saturdays, sometimes on Sundays. So I do that. In order for you to be able to go in there and comment on the trailers and, you know, tell us what you think, you know, before the episode, you can tell us what you think, or maybe you don't want to tell us what you think and you just prefer to listen to us talk about them and then watch the trailers after or alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Unhuman is the story of a zombie apocalypse that starts during our school field trip. So I thought it was really cool how this started out with like them on the bus and then the bus driver randomly stops and like blood splatters on the windshield. And then you hear the announcement that there's a chemical attack. I don't know how they just, I guess, cause there's a speaker in the bus. They can, the U S government can broadcast anywhere. There's a speaker now, but they say, you know, the country's under chemical attack and then it goes into the rest of the trailer. So I thought that was really cool how that started out. Uh, Midsider Cody said in the chat, if this is campy bloody with a high body count, I could get into it. 
not going to spend extra money for it on a video on demand though. If it streams somewhere, I might try it out. Uh, Midsider GS said pass, not my genre. Uh, this is my genre. And I think I agree with Cody here where I like this a lot. I think there's a, a lot of good stuff going on here, but the fact that it's video on demand that I would have to pay extra money for, I don't think the execution is strong enough for me to do that. If it was already on like a Netflix, I would watch this hands down. But the second half of this trailer, William, doesn't look that interesting. It looks like they don't have interesting locations. It doesn't look like there's anything unique going on. It just sort of looks like the beginning is a cool setup, but then they don't really go anywhere with this. And maybe they just don't want to reveal the stuff they do because they don't want to show who dies and who doesn't. But there's not enough in the trailer to make me want to pay for this. So this is weird because it is like a Netflix and hug, but it's like a Netflix and hug if I don't have to pay extra money for it. So I don't know what button you want to push for that. Netflix and hug. You did what I was hoping. You did both oh, at the man. same time. It took me a second. To, I had to figure out how to do it real fast. But all right, we got it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of more on the this isn't my genre. And uh, for that reason, uh, you know, I look at it and it seems, you know, like you said, it's a little campy. It looks a little fun, um, but it's not really my genre. It's not something I would seek out. There's no way I'm going to watch this. Uh, there's so many other things that I'd rather watch, you know, not things that are released this year, apparently, but other things that I want to watch that I need to watch that Justin will disown me if I don't watch. So no way. I'm not going to watch this. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Luck is an Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus, sorry. I fu- I'm fucking sick of everything being a plus, by the way. But um, animated movie. Uh, and I will. this is what I will say, right? Before I even go into the actual movie, this trailer is exactly what a trailer should be, William. It, it just tells you exactly what the movie's about, and then you have to watch the movie to see the rest of the story. So this trailer is a Scottish cat, which, because apparently in Scotland, cats are considered... Black cats are considered good luck. And he's telling you about this company or business or whatever that creates luck, both good and bad throughout the world. And then a human shows up and that's never happened before. This is the first ever human. And that's the end of the trailer. But that's it. That's what the trailer, it tells you, it shows you exactly what the movie's about. It shows you its style, both artistically and tonally. And you get an idea of it. So this, I want to applaud this trailer. If nothing else, this is one of the best trailers I've ever seen as far as it does what a movie trailer is supposed to. It shows you what the movie is, it teases it, and it doesn't spoil things. So I want to applaud that. So I want to, just for the sake of it, William, I want to hug this trailer as a trailer. Can I do that? Hug. Okay. Now, content-wise, Midsider Cozy says the style of animation has gotten really old quick. Pass. Uh, Midsetter GS says naturalistic theme, though he likes the Scottish cat. Pass. Um, I'm not sure I would say naturalism. I get where he's going from, where it's like, oh, here's this external force that puts luck onto everyone else and everyone's forced to deal with it. But I watched this trailer, William, and all I can think of is Monsters, Inc. and Toy Story. And this shows me how revolutionary and influential Pixar is. Doesn't this just sound like Monsters, Inc.? Oh, there's a fear factory and a little girl gets into it. And, you know, you can't have humans get into the fear factory, which, of course, is all based upon the idea of Toy Story, where we take things that humans don't always see 
that sometimes we're removed from and we show the world that goes on when humans aren't there. It's the same thing here. They just did it with luck. Now, why it took 30 years for them to do it when Toy Story and Monsters Inc. came out in the the 90s and early 2000s, I don't know. But I can't look at this and think that I wouldn't just watch Monsters Inc. again. Tackle. Tackle? Um, yeah, I think the, I think our, uh, Discord, uh, fam got it all right on this one. The animation style, uh, while, uh, looks good, um, is, is getting a little old. Um, the, this, I don't see how the premise isn't different than, uh, Monsters, Inc. Uh, it looks, it looks fun. It looks like they have, it has some good comedic elements. Um, I do have Apple TV Plus, uh, and I think I'd rather watch it uh, than any of the stupid uh, Star Wars coming out on D Plus. But um, yeah, uh, just because I'd rather watch this than uh, than uh, a crappy D Plus show doesn't mean I'm going to hug it. Unfortunately, I'm gonna have to tackle third trailer. Hustle is a Netflix original movie starring Adam Sandler that will also be released in theaters. In it, Sandler plays a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers who finds the player he believes is the next big thing and no one else believes him. So he has to try and make the career happen for the player and for the success of his own life. Right. He's got a wife and a child and the player's got a wife and a child. Uh, It plays on the idea of, you know, the NBA currently having a lot of foreign superstars. Uh, a lot of European superstars. I believe the character in this movie comes from South America. doesn't really matter. They're playing on this idea. But I don't know. As a sports movie, this sort of looks like if you took Rocky and applied it to basketball. There's a lot I like here as a sports movie. Now, I wonder how far they're going to go on the naturalistic side of things. Because, you know, when you get more serious with a drama like this, people tend to go naturalistically. But I'll give this a chance. And if this is in theaters at a time where there's not much else out and, you know, I don't have to pay extra for it. I would, I would see this in theaters. I mean, as naturalistic as uncut gems was Adam Sandler was excellent in it. And you know, he loves sports. So, you know, he's going to give his heart and soul to this. I think this could turn out to be something that's uh, surprisingly good and, and surprisingly strong. So, I'll, I'll give this a chance. Let's let's call this a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. I was super surprised that I'm mildly excited to see this movie. Um, it's been a while since I've thought, oh, I want to see this Adam Sandler movie. Um, this looks this looks like a decent sports movie. It looks well produced. Uh, doesn't look particularly woke. Um, it seems like it's going to be something I could enjoy. I'm I want to see this, so I agree. Let's Netflix and hug it. Netflix and hug. Final trailer. Avatar: The Way of the Water is the long-awaited sequel to Avatar by James Cameron. Now, this is where I think things are going to get controversial and we're going to annoy the audience. But this is what I've always said about Avatar, William, and I'm interested in what you think. I'm sure it's probably similar. The spectacle is amazing. Right, We cannot deny the technology that was used in that and the visual aesthetic experience of watching that movie. But on the other hand, on a level worse than the bad guys, and it's interesting, I reviewed and watched the bad guys on this week, the 
thematic content of Avatar is so abhorrent that I can't excuse the movie. I can't call it a good movie. I will always say the technical execution of Avatar is tremendous. I mean, look at it spawned one of the best rides in all of theme parks, right? Avatar uh, Rite of Passage, Flight of the Passage, right? That's such a great ride. That would not be possible without the technical mastery and execution of James Cameron. And that is on full display in this teaser trailer. That is on full display in this teaser trailer. It looks tremendous. It looks beautiful. It looks like an amazing thing. And look, I may end up seeing this because I'm going to guess my wife is going to want to see this because she loves the Avatar ride and everything. But then what does this trailer ends with? This trailer ends with, oh, you know, no matter what, this family is what matters. So again, just like, you know, just like the bad guys. Oh, all that matters family. Right, exactly. Now, people make fun of them for that, right? And we don't expect more of Fast and Furious, so we're more forgiving of them for that. But it's still this idea of the collective, the group, other people matter more than anything else in the entire world. So we went from in the first movie, humans are evil, to now all that matters is other people. Right? It's, it, it's conventional, it's boring, it's uninteresting, and it's the biggest waste of spectacle I've ever seen in my entire life. It's like taking Tom Brady and putting him on the Lions for his entire career. Uh, look what happened with Matthew Stafford, right? You put Matthew Stafford on the Rams, and what happens in his first year, William? He wins a Super Bowl, right? So this is what I've decided. From now on, I'm going to declare Avatar the Barry Sanders of movies. The Avatar series is the Barry Sanders of movies. You have all the skill and ability in the world, and that's what you do with it. And, you know, that's no fault to Barry Sanders, but it is a fault to James Cameron. So Midsider Cody says, looks like Cameron has put in the work to make a fun time at the movies. I'll give it a shot. And GS says, at least there is spectacle tentative hug Uh, i agree with what you're saying i think cameron has put in the work to make fun time in the movies and i agree at least there is spectacle but barry sanders needs more than that if he wants to win a super bowl you have to put a team around him tackle tackle yeah i i i remember seeing the first one was it 45 years ago it seems so long ago um, and I was so disappointed in the ending, right? And, uh, this is before I really had, uh, you know, a, a more, a better understanding of what kind of movies I like. I don't think I could sit through this. I, 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 I don't. Maybe I, maybe I could, maybe like on a flight or something where I'm like half asleep and, and just enjoying the spectacle of it and shutting that other part of my brain off. I don't think I could, I don't think I would get a lot out of this. Um, the animation looks great. Uh, it, we didn't see any of the hu- We didn't spend any time in the human area. I don't think, if that makes sense, right? Like we were, it was all blue people, so uh, that's interesting. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think there's anything that's going to make this worth uh, a viewing for me. So uh, I'll 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 go with. Uh, I'll let the, some of the listeners go and tell me if it's worth. Uh, if the spectacle alone is worth it, but just based on the trailer, I don't think it is. So tackle Ugh, tackle 
Two things based upon what you said, William. The first is, logically, the second movie had to go with only the blue people. Because if you take the theme to heart of the first movie, the the main character is going to want to live in his avatar with the Navi rather than be in the human world. How could he possibly choose the human world? Yeah, how could he? you, You can't if you want to take the first world serious, the first movie seriously. And then two, exactly what you said is why... The ride is so successful because the the ride removes all of the thematic stuff and just puts you into the spectacle and you're like, wow, this is amazing, be- beautiful, this is such a good experience. So you can have those separate things where it's exactly what you just said, where you're literally on a flight and you're just enjoying the spectacle. So interesting you use that metaphor. All right, that brings us to the end of this trip. What did we learn? William? I learned that I can um, uh, both denounce and then temporarily bring back my identities uh, in order to uh, analyze some of the stories on the midside. It's a new power I didn't even know I had. Justin, what did you learn this trip? I can't wait for the Marvel movie about you, William. That sounds like an awesome superpower. Ooh, identity man. Uh, I learned that Avatar is the Barry Sanders of movie franchises. All right, I want to thank you all for listening to the show. If it wasn't for you, it would just be me talking like a crazy person into the corner of a closet. I mean, it still is that, but I feel a little less crazy. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can do so in any number of ways. The midside.com slash store to pick up a t-shirt or the midside.com slash the cut or just go to the Amazon, search the cut in my name and you can find my novel, uh, Patreon or Locals. The midside.com slash Patreon is per episode. The midside.com slash locals is per month. That is, of course, how we keep the lights on and keep the show going to, you know, fun things such as our hosting for the website and for Podbean, where we host these episodes. And as always, the best way to keep this show going is tell a friend. I thought this was a pretty good episode. If you did too, why don't you tell a friend and say, hey, this was a pretty good episode of The Midside where they really demonstrated what witness the farce means that sometimes you're just thinking about things and you're saying, this is ridiculous and here's why it's ridiculous, but we're not sure what it means and we're not sure if this is a good or a bad thing yet. And it's okay to think that. And let other people see in today's world, we don't have to have a strong stance on everything. Sometimes we can just ask questions and observe. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emelzneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Forever purge. We really need to use that drop more. That's seriously one of the best drops we've ever found.